Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. Today I have with me a friend and colleague, Dr. J.C. Goddard. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you. Glad to be here. You and I go back a long way. We have kind of a shared interest in integrative medicine. We do. Um, I'm a really big proponent of the type of work that you do. I was a patient at one point. I probably still could benefit from being a patient. Probably. Probably. (laughs) But almost anybody could, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But tell me about osteopathic manipulative treatment or musculoskeletal medicine, OMM. I mean, I think people... People kind of, they, all the body works, everybody kind of puts them all in one big bucket, but they're, they're not all the same. Correct. So, um, osteopathic physicians go to medical school, as you know, and, um, we end up with this name DO, um, and, um, but not all DOs do what I do, which is the manipulation part. Um, and a lot of people will try to explain what we do and it's not really that easy to understand unless you've had it done, but it's sort of somewhere in between chiropractic and massage or cranial, what people call craniosacral therapy. Um, And a lot of those actually modalities come from osteopathic medicine, which started in the um, late 1800s. Um, And so we deal with people who have problems that the traditional medicine can't fix, like pain that can't get help, like Lots of people with headaches get serious relief from what we do, and it's it's really great and it's really fulfilling. Um, babies, we help babies who can't latch, people with low back pain, things like that. So, it's that's my favorite thing to do is help someone that no one else has been able to help. And when you talk about, um, well, let's start with babies, for example. I mean, with little kids, we we often just kind of assume, all right, well, they come out into the world and here they are, and they're going to be what they're going to be. But you can actually start working with newborns like kind of right off the bat and yes. have quite a bit of benefit. Yes, absolutely. I mean, to me, it's almost miraculous. You know, um, even when I um, was just um, still in my training, I there was a baby that could not even get its mouth to latch around the bottle. They were having to feed it with a syringe. And I watched under my hands with this really gentle treatment, um, the baby, the baby latched and it's, it's not that hard. It's super gentle and it's super effective. And even I had a mom the other day say something like, wow, so if this doesn't get fixed, they might have problems down the road. And I was like, yeah, because if things are tight and things are pooling and there's tension, it could affect their gut. It could affect their swallowing it. It could affect their nervous system. And so yeah, it's, it can be very helpful. I mean, it's interesting because I, I, you know, we think of babies and they're kind of these little smush balls and they, you know, obviously they're able to kind of emerge out of a fairly tight space, but of course it's possible they would come out with their bodies a little bit rearranged and need to be just kind of aligned. Right. But it's not necessarily, we just all kind of assume like, well, they're just babies. Like what could possibly go wrong when you're just being born? Yeah. Well, I think, I think actually the birth process in general is supposed to help the baby have a good sort of result, be born with no problems, but sometimes it's the really fast deliveries. Um, paradoxically, the babies have more problems or the really long, difficult ones, or the C-sections are the ones that we see babies have a little bit more trouble. Um, versus the long, slow, the sort of moderate, slow, gentle squeeze, they do fine. Right. Because they're getting, if if they're doing like kind of the normal course of, they're getting like kind of a massage. Yeah, exactly. A pretty intense massage. But but it's sort of like a perfectly designed massage. Like the body has this design and 
Um, sometimes we just need a little help so it can do what it's supposed to do. So. Right, right. So in the in the craniosacral work, I mean, it is super gentle. I mean, you the what you are doing with your hands is so subtle, and the sensing that you are able to um, do with people's bodies, it it really is something that. Um, I mean, I think it's very difficult to describe, certainly as one who's had it, but as someone who's done it for a long time, um, it, does it improve with practice, I would assume? Are you able to kind of become better over the years of doing yeah, this work? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's kind of astounding to me over the years what's happened. What's happened. I've, I've been doing this work since I was a medical student. They, um, I was a teaching assistant, so I got to actually start treating people at that time. So it's been like 30 years that I've been working with people. And everybody has, I really believe everybody has that capacity, but the more we do it, the more, the more we feel. Um, and it, it, um, it can be like super gentle, but it's based on, you know, what some people who take sort of a craniosacral course, um, you can do, anybody can do that in a weekend course, but we have this foundation that's based on anatomy and physiology and, and real deep medical training and actually what every bone and um, structure in the body, how it moves in every direction. And so there's this sort of foundational anatomical way of looking at it, but then there is this more subtle thing that starts to happen where we can really start to perceive things more deeply and even perceive, how would I say it? Like in a baby, sometimes you can start to feel like they, you can even watch the baby like, wow, oh, their, their little fist just opened. Right. And it's because they, we were able to access this deep part of themselves where their, where their health resides. And it's a really beautiful thing. And the more we practice, the better we get. I'm really excited about this, this phase that you're entering into, because I know that you are, um, very well regarded and beloved as a practitioner. And now you're kind of doing, you're, you're trying to get the message out to more people. So you're doing some online work and you're writing a book and some educational things in other areas. So talk to me about that process. What is that? How has that evolved for you? How did you get to that place where you want to go? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've had my own personal health journey and learned how to sort of relate to my body in, in healthy ways in terms of how I how I perceive my body. Um, and it's it's been sort of this um, organic experience over over my entire life, but then in, in particular over my medical career and my professional career. And I started to see how I could help patients with their pain. Um, in terms of how they were relating to their body, for example, like, oh, I'm going to cut myself off from this part of my body because it's hurting me. Or maybe the person's cutting themselves off from this part of their body because they had a trauma in the past. And there's nothing wrong with that per se, right? That's sort of an instinctive protective mechanism. But what, I, what I've started to, to see and realize is that, wow, I think human beings are built to relate to their bodies in sort of this really whole person, healthy way. And um, we're wired to actually feel peace and be connected and feel happy and sort of 
um, listen to our gut feelings, for example, and breathe normally. And I, I sort of have, I keep, I find myself saying, why didn't they teach us this in like second grade or when we were like five, like these sort of basic, these basic concepts and it's, it's not really complicated. And so I've been working with patients that sometimes like, wow, I think you're not in your body. I'm like, oh my gosh, I think you're right. And then when they start to to just make that simple connection, they're like, oh, that feels so much better. Um, and so that's really what I'm starting to see these like really amazing benefits where people are really starting to come into their own and, and find joy in their life and peace in their life. And it's and I just want that for more people. Well, I remember as you know, early on practicing acupuncture, I would teach people how to breathe. And it was amazing how many people, they keep their breath right up here and never goes any lower. And our lungs go all the way down here and our diaphragms obviously expand our chest cavities. So, you know, taking the time to say to people, you know, take a deep breath and actually kind of push, push your belly up toward the ceiling. And and then they were like, wow, there's like a whole other space in there that I'm not even using. And that's just breath. That's just lungs. And so to have to re-educate people on something that's so intuitive to the human experience, I mean, you're right. It's so simple. And, and yet it's so uncommon that people remain connected to their own breath throughout their lives. Right. And I think the beautiful thing, I, I, I actually do the same kind of process with patients. Um, and I used to almost do that with every patient every time they, they came in. Um, and actually in my book that I'm working on, I, I think that's chapter two is about the breathing. But the, the really interesting thing about just like you're saying, the more we can breathe into the sort of lower part of our body, that's just the first connection that we can make. And it, I mean, it can be dramatic, the, the, what it can do for us. So, and it's just a matter of a little bit of practice and paying a little bit of attention. So it's really great. Like, like I said, the body is wired. The body has everything set up for it. And, you know, we're human beings and I think there's more available for us as human beings to be like a whole person and connected to, to all that. And, and the breath is a really great simple way to do that. So if that's chapter two, what's chapter one? <laughs> chapter one is about, a, is about a patient that I just alluded to earlier that um, she um, was somebody that had a lot of psychological problems and a very difficult um, trauma history in the past. Um, and when I was working with her, she her arms were up in the air and she was talking and she's talking and I was like, I think you're not in your body. And I had never even thought about that before. And she said, oh, no, what do I do? And I said, I, I really don't know. Can you go back in? Um, and she did. And so chapter one is really just like this concept of like, we have a body. Why aren't we really in it? We're in our heads, right? And even for those of us that didn't have a difficult trauma experience or childhood Um, I think this world today is asking so much of us that, you know, this sort of social media world is asking a lot of us and AI and it's like pulling us outside of ourselves. We're trying to perform. And what I found is, you know, the AI and social media and technology, that's all great. But we also have this sort of inner technology. And so I think if we really want to make the most of that, it's about um, sort of getting getting with ourselves so that we can really use all those pieces. Lately, I've been talking about this. It's like driving in your car with your head out the the sunroof. 
It's like you can't reach the gas pedal, you can't reach the brake pedal, you can't adjust the sound in your radio, you can't adjust the temperature, you can't really see where you're going. And so it's like, we wanna get in the driver's seat and then we can like really have control of where we're trying to go. And all these beautiful things happen. Like I, I've been doing this and it's like, wow, I have this sort of creative thing coming out of me now because, and so now I want to, it's it's giving me access to so much more and, it, and I, I want that for everybody. I think the sense of not being in our bodies is really powerful. And if we're not in our bodies, sort of where are we? We're existing, I don't know, in the in the ether, in something that's sort of the collective unconscious, but in an electronic way. Like, what does that even mean for us as a as a culture? Right, and I think I think unfortunately we we're often living our lives for an idea, or we're living our lives for someone else. Or, you know, I have to do this because this is what my work is requiring of me, or maybe my religion is requiring of me, or maybe my mother made me think I needed to do, or, or, or whatever, whatever. It could be absolutely anything. And so it's, it's where, where, are, where am I? And so this work sort of helps us to start to um, connect to, to ourselves. Like, okay, wait a second. I, I, I'm not, I don't have to live my life for this external expectation, right? What is, what is the inside of me want? What, who is me? Who is me? Who am I? And I never really knew all these like spiritual gurus, right? Like all this like work, you can go to Tibet and you can go to all these places, but, and you can do all this meditation. You can take this masterclass on meditation, but what I found and what I find so fascinating is just simply getting in the body is going to calm our nervous system and simply breathing into the body, for example, calms our nervous system. And then those connections are already there and they start to happen and we can start to feel peace and we can start to feel like, oh, wait a minute, there I am. Oh, I'm, I'm in here. And, um, and it's like, oh, I want this. I don't want that. And we can start to know a little bit more clearly instead of just sort of like you said, out in the ether or living our lives for some other situation or, or person or idea. Um, and I would also add that like even um, we can do a lot of psychological work um, and there are some really amazing therapies and, and concepts that people are, are working with. But I have a patient who showed me that she had the idea all figured out in her head and, but she still wasn't feeling good. And I was like, well, can you tell your body that idea? And as soon as she did that, poof, the whole thing shifted. I was like, whoa, amazing. So it's my patients that have taught me this over the years. And um, it's really beautiful. It's really, it's really great. I remember when I first moved from family medicine and my family medicine practice into my acupuncture practice. And I would, I had this feeling that I was treating patients that were basically were like, we're like heads on sticks, you know, we're like, we're just walking around. Like we are just, we're just this intellectual aspect of ourselves. And so it's almost like, you know, if you have, if you're a head on a stick, but then all of a sudden the stick starts to turn into a tree and then the, the, the trees start to get rooted back into the ground. And, um, when I worked in Qigong and worked with the Qigong master, he would tell us, you know, try to reground yourself, actually step on grass and reground yourself with the world around you. And then you're not this head on a stick that's walking around. You're actually kind of a tree that's like interacting with the environment and regrounding. So I think that when you talk about moving back into your body, I mean, if we're not even in our bodies and how do we even connect with, you know, the world around us, the people that we coexist with, like it's, there's so many 
kind of ramifications of just being here. Absolutely. I, and I love that you brought up this tree metaphor because it's so interesting that you, that you did that because the tree is our, is the, is the logo for our practice. And actually I'm like still using the tree for this other work that I'm doing because it's just sort of a simplified version of it, but it is, it's our roots and our branches and things should flow between us from top to bottom. And Absolutely. The grounding is, you know, I'm giving it away, but grounding is chapter three. <laughs> so, so we're just going to go through the whole book and then people are like, oh, I don't need to read it. Yeah, after you all. don't need to read it. I mean, and really that is the secret, you know, the secret messages um, about getting getting in our body and really getting grounded and getting in the lower part of our body. Um, and that's the idea. And what we really need is the experience. So um, and so how do we do that? just by practice. Um, but what I'm offering people is sort of the simple steps and how to practice it and how to bring that into our, our lives. Because I can go and meditate for four hours, but if I don't bring that into my daily life, then then that's where the problem is. So it's like, how do I get this kind of whole sense of self and peace and grounded, groundedness and being with myself? And how do I bring that into more aspects of my life? And so, yep, that's the tree. It's the, it's the whole person, right? And it's, it's interesting that a plant is, is so representative of us, but, but I guess that's nature and, and that's our inner nature and everything's connected. And so why wouldn't we want to be connected to everything that is connected? Well, wasn't it interesting that during COVID, a lot of people became plant parents, Absolutely. The ones who didn't get puppies, for right. example. Right. And people really wanted to connect back to these living things. They were disconnected from fellow human beings and they had, there was so much fear around that. So people were, you know, propagating little baby plants to put on their windowsills. And, right. and I, I still, I was telling someone this morning, because I knew you were coming in, there was a plant that you actually shared, a little piece of plant oh, way before COVID. Have I have multiple versions oh, of so that great. one. But just that idea of the kind of the living thing that is there that is like, okay, well, yeah, there's a pandemic out there, but I'm just going to keep on growing. So just put me in the sunlight, give me some water. I mean, I'm going to do what I'm meant to do. Right. And having that ability to connect with these little plants, even through a really difficult kind of worldwide experience, I think it was really powerful. Absolutely. And and there's this whole movement called forest bathing. Um, and I think that's a great concept. And, and people come to Maine, for example, right? Because they need to get back to nature because here we're, we live a little bit closer to nature. But, you know, we if we have a plant on our windowsill, then we can actually connect to that. And that's a later chapter in the book. I haven't decided exactly which chapter, but we can connect to that, um, to, to nature. Nature's always around us. We can connect to the air that's in the room. We connect to the ocean that's outside. We can connect to the, the dew on the leaves. And it's always there for us. And that, um, you know, that nature's always supporting us just like we're plants too. We're trees too. Um, and there's this beautiful, interesting concept actually of how, of transpiration and how the dew comes off the, the trees, which is water. And then it goes into the air and then it falls down as rain and goes into the earth and, and comes back up into the roots, into the tree. And, you know, we live in nature and no matter how far we are, we can be right in, you know, Manhattan and still connect to nature and still have it right there for us. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I think um, we just need help learning to take advantage of that. I think our our ancestors and the Native Americans did that. Um, and 
I, I think we, it's our right as human beings. It's our sort of duty as human beings to ourselves to, to do that. And, and I think the more we do that, the, the more peace we feel, the kinder we can be, the more patient we can be to one another, the more we can really feel the truth and what's right and, you know, do good things in the world. So, so we've, we've talked about at least, I guess, three or four of your chapters. Mm-hmm. What, what things haven't we talked about that you're going to be discussing? There'll be um, a sort of a chapter. There's a chapter about um, sort of self-soothing, how we can relate to ourselves in a, in a, in a healthy, loving way. Um, some little tricks of how we can sort of um, reassure ourselves, calm ourselves, trick our nervous system um, in a nice way, you know, into like, oh, wait a second, there's that piece that's, there's that um rest digest part of our nervous system the parasympathetic nervous system that is that can um calm calm me heal me that's where the healing is um there's a chapter on trauma um and how to work with that um there is a chapter on even how we relate to food um and in terms of not doing what we should but doing what feels right to us um a chapter on nature and spirit, how to connect spiritually. And, and that's, you know, I would say that's not based on some external idea or any religion. Each person has their own, their own process for that, their own relationship with that. And the beauty of, beauty of this work is that once we start to feel ourselves and connect with ourselves, um, that's right there. Um, and I believe our spirit is inside us. And it's not some outside distant thing. I used to think in, a, in our osteopathic um, profession, we have these principles and they talk about the body's a unit, mind, body, spirit. And I used to think it was like, oh, okay, these three connected circles. But I've come to believe that they're actually three sort of concentric circles, right? So our, our, our mind is in our body, our spirit is in our body, and we, we want all those to work together to be integrated, um, so it's really about that sort of integration. And and once you start to sort of look at these things, you're like, oh, wow, that actually is related to that. So when I write one chapter, I'm like, wait, but that belongs in the other chapter. But wait, that belongs in this chapter. And it's so beautiful. It's all kind of weaves together. And it's so, it's so simple. Um, but we just need sort of some steps and um, stepping stones and like a roadmap to sort of find it and to start to make those connections. And then once we do that, things really start um, happening. And I think, you know, what you've suggested also is just regularly practicing these things. So, I I mean, if you can pattern a body and a life in a very specific, maybe not as much flow kind of way, but you can also very mindfully do the other and practice having a life that is more in flow. Absolutely. And, you know, your example of the breathing is a perfect example of that. And so if I, if I take a master class or take a special class and do the special counted breathing, that's useful and it's great. But if I'm not breathing, if I'm not really bringing that into my day, into my moment to moment of the day, then I'm really not taking full advantage of that sort of healthy, connected breathing. And so, um, it's really about practicing and it's just, it's, it's just about um, moment to moment. Like, oh, wait, I'm not feeling good. Why am I not feeling good? Oh, I'm holding my breath. Okay. 
okay, I'm going to try to make sure I'm breathing so that I'm not feeling anxious in this moment or I'm stressed about this situation. Well, what if I breathe into it? Then I can start to feel more, more grounded in my body and more connected. And I mean, it's such a gift and it's right there for us. So we just, we just need to practice a little bit and take advantage. And if we're not feeling well, maybe we just need to tweak some things. So it's not as hard. I think, I think people think it's hard and or complicated. And it's really not complicated. It just takes a little bit of practice. And that's really what I'm excited to share with people. I think Maine is really fortunate because we have a very active osteopathic community. We have a wonderful osteopathic medical school, which I know is in the process of expanding. Right. Um, at the organization I work with, I mean, we have all kinds of osteopathic physicians. And one of the things that I wonder about is, Will osteopathic medicine, when you actually are practicing OMM or um, NMM, could it potentially be a way to save medicine? Because I have practitioners who come in as family doctors mm -hmm. and, and they're like, I cannot, I can't do a 40 hour work week doing traditional family medicine, but let me do half of my time doing osteopathic manipulative medicine. And they seem so much happier you know, to be able to actually really reconnect to that healing. Definitely. Definitely. You know, I, I totally agree. I think the patients feel that way too, because it's sort of, we're sort of run by the insurance industry. You know, a lot of people feel that their doctors don't care. They don't spend enough time with them, but it's not because they don't care. You know, I have training in family medicine and I did that. I did those 15 minute visits. Sometimes I had two patients in a 15 minute visit and it's because of the system. It's because of the construct. Um, and it's not because the doctor doesn't care. You know, most people that go into medicine really want to take care of people and spend that time. And I am hopeful that the, the system shifts. And I think the patients are saying, I need more. I need more time with my doctor. I, and the doctor's like, I need more time to help them understand what's really going to prevent that diabetes from getting worse or prevent heart problems down the road. And, and that takes time and it takes a relationship. And I really hope that it doesn't take too long for the system to shift. I mean, I believe it will. I'm, I tend to be very optimistic, <laughs> sort of idealist, but um, I think it will shift. And I think it's between the patients and the physicians are going to say, this isn't working. This, is, this isn't about AI running the practice of medicine, this protocol algorithm driven model. It's about really each person as an individual and what that person needs, because there may be one a different reason why this person is relating to their diabetes um, compared to someone else, maybe from some other aspect of, of who they are. And so that's really what is the art of medicine. And I think that's what the old docs used to do. They used to know the family. They used to know um, all the pieces in psychology and um that's sort of what's missing because the system has gotten sort of dumbed down into this sort of, you know, just order the x-ray, don't touch the patient, just um, send them off to somebody else. And it's much more than that. And, and I think human beings want more. We want more. So I hope, I hope we get there soon. Well, I, I can tell you my experience with people who want osteopathic medicine is, is we have not enough people who do that work. And we Definitely. can't get people in to see practitioners. Right. So there's clearly a demand. Right. There's a demand. And I think there's also sort of um, 
you know, the DOs, the, uh, you know, the osteopathic physicians, we, we have a little bit of an identity problem because we don't tend to advertise what we do. Um, and a lot of DOs, just because of the training, they train in hospitals with MDs. They don't always get all those opportunities to really keep their skills that they learn. And we all learn it. We all learn all that, all of those basic techniques in medical school, but we don't have the opportunity to keep it going. And so maybe that will be sort of something that sort of follows because as as the docs, and I, I know people that have done that, right? Like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this manip manipulation practice. I'm going to do this um, more integrative practice because they really want to take better care of their patients. Um, and so I, I hope more and more people going into osteopathic medicine um, recognize that and, and learn to think outside the box and and not get sort of brainwashed by the process. I mean, the medicine that we learn is really important. All that stuff is important. The pharmacology, the anatomy, the physiology is really important, but there, there's more to it than just sort of what I think is sort of the um, drug companies is driving sometimes our educational process or the decisions that we make instead of really what the, what's best for the patient. So hopefully um, that's going to just keep getting better and better as people start to sort of wake up into what's what real health is. So knowing that you've been doing this, you and I have been kind of, we're kind of roughly contemporaries, right? We've mm -hmm. been in medicine roughly the same amount of time. And, and you have been so dedicated to this model of medicine. And um, I'm sure it hasn't always been easy. And it probably wasn't easy when you first made the decision to actually really focus on this model. But what keeps you... What keeps you going? What keeps you focused on? This is what I would like to do. This is what I would like to offer the people that I work with. The thing that absolutely keeps me going is sort of, I say, I can't stand it when there's someone out there in pain and they don't know that somebody can help them. You know, it's like that just shouldn't be because then I mean, there's something that's relatively straightforward. I mean, there are people that we see that have been two years with low back pain and then they come in. Sometimes it's as quick as a visit or two. I mean, sometimes it's much more complicated and it takes more than that. But it's that kind of thing that keeps me going. It's like, there is so much available that can help a person. And when somebody feels better, um, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't know about this. Why don't more people know about this? Um, I think that's that's really what keeps me going, to really be able to see sort of, and even as a medical student, that's really what, it's like, oh my goodness, I can help somebody that quickly? Like I, this, I can see a change under my hand and the patient can feel the change sort of instantaneously. Like that's really what, taking care of a person should should include, right? Like, not just like, okay, if you take this anti-inflammatory for two months, then things will start to get better. No, it doesn't have to be like that. It's not all that about inflammation and you need to kill it because inflammation is a healthy process, for example. So it's that, it's that ability to help somebody more quickly and to help people that otherwise wouldn't be helped is really what keeps me going. And and it's, it's fascinating to me because I'm more and more excited about what I do because um, of what I've learned working with my patients. I've, I've, you know, each chapter is a lesson that a patient has taught me, and I'm grateful for that. And so that's what keeps me going. And I think that that's, you know, when I, when I think about people who have been in medicine a long time, and I mean, like a really long time longer than us, I mean, that's that's where I think we kind of need to get back to is for people who are just starting their careers or in the middle of their careers. And I, I guess you and I would be considered sort of mid-career professionals in the technical jargon. Hopefully. Right, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully there are many years left. Um, I, I think that's what I hope that we can get people 
tuned back into is not what do we have to do for the insurance companies and, you know, what do we feel like we need to do to generate our work RVUs and productivity, but, you know, what is it that we're learning from our patients? How are we evolving and co-evolving as human beings? And what are we actually getting out of sort of the, the wellness ecosystem that we're part of as practitioners? And it's, I think it's going to take some convincing because I'm not sure everybody, I mean, we've gotten kind of far away from that. So I think what you're doing right now is really important because you've seen that it works. So it's not just the patients that you're writing for, I think, in some ways. It's also the practitioners. Right. And definitely for the practitioners, um, because I think we're all, ha- I mean, well, I'm not having a hard time. I'm, I'm really grateful to, for the kind of practice that I can do. But I think a lot of doctors are having a hard time with the system. And, um, and I think it's unfortunate that the system is sort of controlled by people who don't really understand what's important in medicine and, and health and in those relationships. So... So I think sort of that's what needs to happen instead of this sort of capitalism model of like, how do we make money? How do we control costs? And for example, what we do might keep someone from needing to be on a pain medication or keep them from having that expensive MRI test. And and it's about understanding that that sort of big picture um, that it, it may take some time because sometimes the people that are making those decisions are maybe they have the right intention, but they don't understand sort of the whole, the whole situation. So yeah, I, 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 like I said, I'm optimistic. I think, I think it's going to get better, but it's, it's probably going to be a process where there's sort of this like revolution in medicine, like, okay, wait, what are we doing here? How do we really take care of people? And, and I think it may end up being patient driven because they, they really want more, um, people want more help and more access to better help. So and how, how, can, how can the system do that for them? And so hopefully we can find a way. Well, having now spent time kind of refreshing my, you know, relationship with you just this morning, I, I feel hopeful because I think that, um, I mean, it does take people who are willing to kind of say, I'm going to write a book about this. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of commit myself to this model, to this work. Um, it's easy to get kind of sucked into the, you know, industrial healthcare complex, but to have people who are like, no, 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 let's not do that. That doesn't make sense. I think that that, those sorts of voices like yours are very important. So I give you a lot of, um, credit for continuing to do the work that you've done all these years. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm grateful. I, you know, it's been a process that's been happening my whole life and, um, not always easy, right? But, um, yeah, it's it's good. It's good work. It's a it's a good thing, and um, I'm happy to be where I am, despite all the challenges. <laughs> well, that is great to hear. And where can people? Where is it that you are? Where can people find you? Find me through our website. Our practice name is called River Tree Osteopathic Health. I'm in practice with my husband. We both um, do osteopathic manipulation. Um, and anybody that wants to do this mind body work, they can actually schedule an appointment through the website. We just have some small amount of slots right now because we're busy with our practice um, for mind body appointments. Depending on what you want to work on, there are lots of sort of um, options. Um, and then I'm in the process of developing this whole sort of separate website and this separate um, opportunity for people to do some courses and um, direct work with me or maybe some more like oh, work through um, 
these kind of concepts over time. So that's something that's in the works and it'll be, you can just um, find it under my name, drjcgoddard.com. So that's not, that website's not up and running yet, but it's in the works. It's, it's in the process of going through the birth canal. Yep, it's, it is. It's coming. In, in all the right ways. So that yeah. when it emerges, it's going to be a perfect little baby. Yeah. Coming out yeah, into the thank world. You. Yes. Well, JC, it's been really a pleasure to reconnect with you this morning. I appreciate your coming in. Thank you so much. It's really fun to see you again and, and talk to you about this. I encourage people to learn more about the work that Dr. JC Goddard and her husband are actually doing in their practice. So please do go to the website as she suggested um, and um, maybe spend some time breathing today or go walk in the grass if the weather's not bad, if it's not snowing yet. Um, I'm Dr. Lisa Belial. You have been listening to or watching Radio Maine today with Dr. JC Goddard. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.